You are listening to the Fire and Lunch podcast. As a reminder to those listeners wishing to remain unspoiled for the books, run. This is an all-spoiler podcast. All published books and novellas are fair game. Thanks. And who are you, the proud face said that I must eat this pie? This podcast is brought to you by Grayscale Grammar School. The child may be unclean, but she's a great teacher. Remember, S looks like a snake. Recommended by Lord Davos Seaworth, four out of four finger bones. Hello, we are Fire and Lunch. Welcome to the podcast. This is episode 30, The House of Black and White. I'm Lauren. I'm Megan. And I'm Katie. All right, so um, this week we're going to talk about some things that uh, we did earlier in the, uh, actually the end of last week. We, uh, we went to go see George Lucas uh, being interviewed by Stephen Colbert. And that was a lot of fun. That was interesting. It was interesting seeing um, George Lucas in person and hearing his side of why Star Wars is the way it is. Megan, <laughs> Megan, you were there with me and so was Rachel, who is not with us at the moment. But um, Megan, what did you think of it? I thought it was great. And I think we should point out that it was for the Tribeca Film Festival. And so it was one of their talks where they just have people interview filmmakers and I thought Stephen did a great job of interviewing George because I I think George isn't a celebrity he even he said he's not into the whole celebrity nature yeah you know Hollywood (laughs) so I I mean it's like I'm sure this was not a comfortable position for him but I think Stephen did a great job of like you know asking questions and like you know joking around and he did joke around with him and I think that was really good and I thought it was interesting hearing George's insight into Hollywood. I mean, he really has no problem basically saying how crappy Hollywood is. And <laughs> right. And I, how, I loved, yeah. I love that he was like in his little plaid shirt and sneakers and he was yeah. like, yeah, this is how I dress and I can't dress any differently because people will wonder why I'm dressing differently. Now. Yeah. And like just hearing his stories about how certain movies got made, like American Graffiti was basically written on a dare from Francis Ford Coppola. Who knew? And, well, how, we, and, how, and yeah. how The Godfather was written as kind of he was just like uh I have to do this so I'm doing it okay fine yeah (laughs) and how he just he's like oh and I was hanging out with my friend Steven and my friend Brian my friend Francis and she's like oh my god he doesn't even have to mention their last names you know who he's talking about so that was that was really cool and just hearing his thoughts on filmmaking because I know he probably talks about this stuff with other interviewers possibly but I mean I don't necessarily search out George Lucas interviews so I thought it was interesting just to hear his view on how he viewed like the visual part of film and then the soundtrack part of film which was the interesting discussion about dialogue that he did so <laughs> how I thought... dialogue is that important <laughs> he didn't say that he just said it was part of the soundtrack and so a film is 50 oh, percent visual no he said it was 50 percent visual <laughs> and that the film was also 50 percent of the soundtrack which includes dialogue but also includes like sound effects and music and that for, at least for star wars it's kind of a silent film because he called it a children's film and so children understand it and they enjoy it they don't need to necessarily understand the dialogue and they don't I mean I watched Star Wars as a kid I didn't know what the hell people were talking about I just enjoyed what I was watching I was four so. when it was in the theaters and I still remember standing in line so yeah it and and it was like one of the highlights of my childhood so yes it is definitely aimed where children can watch it and enjoy it yeah so I don't know I thought that was interesting Have you guys seen that there's a video going around of like really little kids? We're talking maybe one-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-old at the most watching the new trailer. Oh, no. And their reactions are priceless. It feeds right into what you guys were saying where all they need to see is like the picture. 
and they just freak out. Their mouths drop open. They're squealing. They're dancing. It's wonderful. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, it's like the new generation is born. Oh, I should show it to my little brother. There you go. <laughs> and I think it was also interesting to seeing seeing Stephen Colbert not be Stephen Colbert, that he's actually himself. And I think we got a little insight of what he's going to be like when he does his late night show. Yeah, still funny. And still, I mean, he George made a comment saying that he knew that he was known for writing wooden dialogue. And Stephen's retort was, George, it's hand-carved dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> thought that was but, great and I think it was great that he interviewed him because he's such a fanboy so oh my was, god yeah he was so, so happy yeah I mean he was talking about when he was 13 he had won tickets to see it and he still has the button that he got as part <laughs> of it like yeah no he was so excited yeah like, and when someone in the audience jumped up and down yeah when someone in the audience asked Stephen a question during the Q&A Stephen was like I'm flattered you would ask me a question while this man's sitting next to me but no I'm not gonna answer <laughs> <laughs> and that's when George Lucas went into giving him a lecture on why he didn't take over after uh, for uh, John Stewart yeah <laughs> so I thought it was a really great event and I I'm really looking forward to Stephen taking over for the Letterman show because yeah I think that's gonna be very cool that was yeah. a lot of fun actually the button comment kind of feeds well into the next event oh my god <laughs> oh yes do. you're right it does um we went to we went to trivia at a, a it was a new trivia it wasn't our usual trivia ad it was a different one we tried out true and nerd I believe what was it called new true nerd yeah and they they were a lot of fun I actually I actually enjoyed that each each category was in the same in every round so like you always had the same kind of but like the best part was the asshole question and yeah um, which one of you wants to talk about what the asshole question was. <laughs> I mean, it was basically just a question that would get the people mad at them because they were questions that were supposed to be really hard. The first one wasn't hard. I mean, I guess it'd be hard for people that, you know, didn't read the books. Well, it was hard it wasn't... for people who got it wrong. <laughs> there were, wasn't... yeah. And to be clear, the trivia was average. It wasn't really clear if it was going to be book or movie. I mean, book or show trivia. And when it started, they said, well, there will be some book and book questions and some, I guess, show questions. Though I don't know that there was anything super show specific, but um, it was, so the first question was, you know, from the books and about history, but then like the later rounds got into like questions about the Sesame Street parody and the SNL appearance that Nikolai did. We did not do well. (laughs) No, we didn't. You know what I liked about them versus Trivia AD is that Trivia AD, it's really clear that most of these hosts barely watch the show, let alone read the books. And even though the questions were much like much easier in this trivia like it was written by people who actually are fans of this yeah i think so yeah and 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 the prize for getting the asshole question were these little buttons that you got to they had like bags of buttons and they each had a house on it so i was very excited to get my brienne one there were some good buttons in there there were some really good buttons they represented really well like there was house connington which who would ever think that they had house dane like you know they went pretty deep well, and Rachel got me, a fray one. Who had the mammoth one? Like, what was the mammoth one? I don't remember that one. I almost I took it because I'm like, there's a mammoth head on here, and I can't remember who it's for though. So I feel like cheap taking it if I don't know what it is. <laughs> no, I don't remember what it was. I remember, I just remember that I was so excited to see Tarth, and then after that, I didn't care what else was. Happening. Yeah, I grabbed the Dane one as soon as I saw it, and then didn't look at the rest. No, I yeah. got a Dorn one because I was like, it's Dorn or Martel. You mean Martel? Oh my God, what's wrong with me? Yeah, <laughs> Katie. Rachel got the fray one, and then what did Jenny get? 
She took the Connington one. She took the Connington one. There it was. And then we made a friend at the trivia, and he took the Greyjoy one, I believe. Yes. He he said he was a Greyjoy fan. Yeah. Proving he could roll with us. (laughs) <laughs> it was it was great he was a lot of fun and he 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 knew the books and he read the novellas and so like so he was called you know that 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 like he he didn't think we were too crazy that we were like neurotic lunatics answering questions he no no like, you okay. knew he was a fan because he was like oh my god you girls are so cool and i'm like yep <laughs> yes we are <laughs> we are the coolest guys i don't know what you're talking so, sir, wherever you are, thank you either for being extremely polite or being very gay. <laughs> His name was Joshua. Joshua. Uh, yeah, yeah, he was. No, he was great. He was yeah. a lot of fun. Okay, so that was a little bit about us, and now we're going to go on to the episode, which was the House of Black and White. So, what were your fray ratings, Megan? I gave this episode a Rhaegar. I really liked it. Like I, and I don't know if it has to do with the fact that I watched it with a crowd. Um, I watched it with Jenny and Jess at a bar that was showing it. I'm not going to say the name of the place just because of what's happening in New York City, where now I guess HBO is finally going after bars that are showing the show. But um, <laughs> Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. Oh, wow. Yeah, there was an article in the Post today about how they they went after a bar in Brooklyn. Oh, wow. Really? And told them to stop showing it. So um, we did watch it with a group. And the group is really into it. And I don't know if that helped. I think it helps when you watch it with a crowd. And so I really loved the episode there's a, i have a quibble with it that's pretty big but other than that i really loved it and so i give it a Rhaegar. okay katie um i had said last week that i wasn't going to give a Rhaegar unless the show was good enough that made me want to like tear my face off and like i i have to renege on that because while this wasn't like the most amazing <laughs> episode ever it's still really really good and i don't think it deserves lower than a Rhaegar. like i think I don't know if it's because now we're getting into a mix of stuff that I don't know what's going to happen and stuff that I do that I'm loving it, but I just am enjoying this episode immensely. So, okay. No, I gave it a Rhaegar as well, and I didn't watch it with a crowd unless you count my cat Ollie. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I thought it was a, I thought it was a really great episode. I thought I thought it was very exciting, and even the Danny parts didn't irritate the shit out of me, which is. <laughs> A rarity. Her stuff's so. intriguing this year. Well, yeah, her stuff should be really good this year. I'm excited. Yeah. But we're never going to leave Marine ever. Whatever. Whatever. They will. She will. <laughs> it's the show, bro. I know. It's not I the know. show's totally going to leave. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, we're going to go on to, uh, since we've started our new, our new, um, our new format, we're going to go on to who the episode MVP was. Does anybody really have a, an MVP? I have some thoughts. <laughs> You can you have can thoughts. only pick one. I you have can have thoughts, thoughts, but you actually have to verbalize oh, them because no. the nice okay. people listening can't hear what's in your head. Can I do like an MVP of the different sections? Oh I don't my god! Know. Oh, like... for crying out loud, we'll be here all night. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, 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 okay. Um, Bring I'm it in girl. I'm gonna go with Sam Tarley. Woo! Because <laughs> Woo! no, like he really he broke out. He he. I, first of all, he schooled everybody verbally. This was a kid who could barely like verbalize. He was so terrified when he first came there, and now he's like giving speeches and yeah. making fun of very powerful people. <laughs> like, it's just great. I really I loved his story and the way that he's come across. I mean, everyone was so great in this episode, but I'm gonna go with him. Okay, Megan. I would pick him too if I had to pick an MVP, uh, just because. I mean, for the reasons Katie said, but also, like, when he does stand up in the episode, like, during the election, 
they're taunting him. And yet he's just like, fuck it, guys. And he just keeps going <laughs> and then like nominates his best friend. And it's like, it's awesome. And I know it's different from how the books did it because in the books, it's more behind the scenes what Sam does. But and in Brenda's a way, it's alive. more brave for him to do it this way. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I thought it was definitely Sam. It, he, it, I thought I kept having this image of him doing stand up comedy. Because like, <laughs> because he kept like joking and people would laugh and then he'd make another comment and people would laugh and I'm like this is good this is good so um, yeah I loved it I loved it so much because it was just like he went from this huge stuttering whatever he was to ripping Jano Slint a new asshole and calling him out for being a coward and being like hey look he was hiding in the larder with the wildling and a baby ha ha I thought that was I, <laughs> I loved it and can we also just say that he was a really supportive friend when John told him how Stannis made the offer to him and when he made the comment saying that he couldn't be happier for John. Yes, which leads us to the Ned Stark Award. Oh, oh my, my God. God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, John. Okay, so our nominee, obviously, for this episode would be Jon Snow. Oh, he wins it by a landslide. Hands down. <laughs> I actually remember I'm, I'm watching the show the first time and I'm like, oh, he's totally winning the Ned Stark Award. That's happening. <laughs> yeah. No, that was that was definitely a Ned Stark moment. Um, but but you know you you got you gotta you gotta be proud of him for for standing up for you know his his honor and his beliefs. And people forget that just because he went with the wildlings that he put those aside and he didn't. Um, Lauren, I would call them free folk. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not part of the brigade. And right now, Katie's still a member at the moment. So I, I had my day pass. <laughs> I don't know. Right now, you look like you're okay. You haven't you haven't been tossed out yet, so you're good. Then. We welcome anyone that you know just wants to share the John love. <laughs> well, it was funny when he call when John calls them free folk. I immediately think of Megan. I'm like, oh, good, good. He said the right thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure we'll get to this more, but I think the show actually is very particular about when he uses free folk and when he uses wildling. I think you're right, but. Back to the Ned Stark Award. <laughs> um, there you go. He totally wins it because at the time that when he said he would turn down the offer, he really believes Thorne's going to win the election and that his life is just going to become miserable. Like, but he still turns it down out of honor, even though the smarter thing to do would probably be like, hey, yeah, I'll take that offer. <laughs> yeah. Even though, like Lauren said, we're glad he doesn't because, you know, you kind of have to respect the fact that he says no. I mean, I'm not actually glad that he doesn't I'll be honest because that you know it doesn't make his life any easier it doesn't put him really in I mean and it's not it as, all ends horribly right it, like it's not as bad <laughs> as it would have been had he not been commander you know but it, it's not a good situation but I have to respect it especially like filtering it through our perspectives and our world now how many young people really like treat their word as their bond how many people in general you know, just to see to somebody who's like really not doing the best thing for them, but he basically says, if I can't trust my own word, then how's anybody else going to trust it? It's like, yeah. oh man, I, it's a bad decision, but I can't not respect you. Yeah. Right. Well, he is his father in quotes, son. You know. <laughs> well, regardless of who is his biological father, Ned is really his father. Oh, yes, absolutely. He is. Like, you know, I'm, um, you know. But you know, he he is Ned's son. He yeah. he follows what what his father had taught, and it's nice to see that. He does follow what his father has taught, but it's also kind of like, dude, just, just, just no. <laughs> so. And I thought it was, I mean, oh God, this might be jumping ahead to like stuff they left out, but the offer 
was pretty, it didn't come with Val, and it didn't require him, like, burning down a weirwood or anything. It was just basically Stannis being like, I will give you all these things, and you don't have to do anything. Right. It's like, all you gotta um, do is kneal. Like, yeah, so in a it. way, that decision's probably harder for Show John than Book John, because Book John's like, I don't want to burn down a weirwood. I'm not gonna <laughs> yeah. join, like, all these other things. So I, I, I thought that was interesting the show went that way, but. That was, yeah. that was. So let's move on to the fan favorite shout out. What did oh you guys God. think about that? Lawless Stokeworth. I know I loved it, but I, I just I wish there was more to it, and I feel like it's going to be um, that was just like you know throwing us a bone, and then that's it. Mine was either the Leanna Mormont letter or the Osric Stark mention. Just the because less, the why, letter was genius. the letter was fantastic, and John's little <laughs> giggle like. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> How could you not laugh? She's a 10-year-old girl, and she's like, no. <laughs> His name is Stark, poopy head. <laughs> I'm just so glad they included it. <laughs> oh, what? I totally forgot about the letter until that. I was like, oh, yes. No, that was genius. Well, that it was, was also genius. like a big shout-out to the Mormont ladies, who are just the badass people in the North. Yeah. yeah. Yes, because they're they're with Rob, and but you don't see them on the TV show. So it's, but Unfortunately. It's, um, I know. Cause you they saw are, them they briefly in like the first season. There was one woman. Yes. For like three seconds. And that was yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. I mean, Lala Stoke, going back to, I, I'm sorry to bring it back there, but I mean, she in the book is such a tragic character and it actually makes me dislike Braun a little bit because he's taking advantage of the fact that she is so traumatized and just actually like mentally damaged from what she went through. But he's like, okay, she's going to give me land, so I'm going to go for that because no one else wants her. Whereas now, you know, she seems like a decent person. She's she's cute. She's nice. She's very sweet. She's obviously into marrying him, and he's very nice to her. So it kind of endears Bronn to the audience again. Yeah, after I like his, that about like, him. Betrayal, Except it was know? very clear that he was using her. Oh, no, yeah. he was using her, but Bronn, we know that Bronn uses her, but he's being nice about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's not being an asshole about it. He's not taking advantage of a mentally challenged person. He's just like, no. you know, you want to get married. I want to marry someone. You got a little money. All right, let's make this happen. Yeah, you, know, and you have mutually... a mean sister. I'm going to kill her for you. Right. <laughs> so there was also the me- the uh, the mention of Osric Stark, or as uh, uh, Gilead called her, ostr- called him ostrich. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which that is, I mean, they really didn't have to include that, but someone no, there got mentioned. I have to say, like, we were watching in the bar, and Jenny, Jess, and I cheered, and I think everyone in the bar was like, what the hell? <laughs> that happens to us all the time. It does. Like, so if you ever are watching Game of Thrones in a bar, and you hear random cheering, that's probably it's us. us. <laughs> so there he goes. Ostrich, Ostrich Sark got his, his name for, uh, mentioned for a few minutes. So, were there any one-liners that you guys were 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 into? Oh my god, I have one. <laughs> I don't know why it amuses me as much as it does, but when Ferris and Tyrion are talking, and you know, Ferris is like, "We're going to mentions that they're going to Volantis," and Tyrion's like, "I thought we were going to Marine. Like, why are we going? Like, what's in Volantis?" And then Ferris is just like, "The road to Marine." And that's it. That's all he said. It's just like, I don't know why it just killed me. I was dying of laughter. I think I was just. So I, I, I totally didn't catch that at first until I listened to it uh, again a little while ago. But I think that's because I was too absorbed in the fact that they were so fixated on boxes that they keep getting in boxes. It's like, I feel like we need a box watch. Yeah, okay. Now. But like, it's boxes or it's turtles and where do whores go? I picked the boxes. Yeah. I mean, there is 
I don't know if this is the right moment to say it, but I felt like there was a moment in that scene where it might have been Dan and Dave kind of speaking to the audience saying, we're not going to do that really long road trip because there's the part where Varys said, or Tyrion or Varys, they're talking about the, like talking about the futility of life and how that would be, they don't want to talk about that or do that on the whole trip. And I was just like, oh my God, <laughs> that's kind of like the whole, all Which Tyrion's job. <laughs> I can, I can, li- I mean, I'm sorry we're going to skip the whole John Con and Fagon thing, but I'm, I can totally live without Tyrion lying on his back and wishing for death and wondering where whores go. I mean, I, I just, I can't. I just can't. And I know. I mean, you you miss the richness of the landscape. You miss that whole part of the world coming out. And like that, it it's not great, but you can't do that in the show. It's already no. too big. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to move on to some notable introductions and goodbyes. So I'm sh- it's like Twitter exploded when somebody appeared on the screen who we haven't seen in a little while. Mr. Sexy. Uh, Mr. Sexy, yes. Chuck and a <laughs> Welcome back. I know. Everyone, everyone got excited. I swear, I think Twitter just like had like one major orgasm. <laughs> like my, my whole feed was just like, Chuck and <laughs> the tremors are still being felt. Like I, all of a sudden, I go on Tumblr and Sue's posting like GIF after GIF. I know after GIF. that was that was killing me because it's like her, her and Bex were like back and forth. Was it Bex? Or was it? No. Okay, so Sue from the wonderful, amazing, and fantabulous site Watchers on the Wall yeah. uh, is the person that I'm talking about in terms of the gifts because she's fantastic and she's very emotive <laughs> when good things happen on the show. And Bex is the Starkalypse. Is it yep. still? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Two good blogs. Go check them out. Yes, Plug. <laughs> so, Sue the Fury and Starkopolis. Good, good, good. Um, okay, so that was that was one reappearance that was very exciting, and then we had uh, some new characters. Yes. Oh my God! Did I was I loud enough? Was I was I emotive enough when Alexander Siddig came on the screen? I was too busy screaming on Twitter to to. <laughs> To actually check my phone until later. I was like, Alexander said, I've been screaming it around my office because we have a little coffee clutch of like Game of Thrones breakdowns. And when they said, oh, that guy's coming in from Doran. To be clear, Doran Martell. Just <laughs> Doran Martell. And his buddy, Ario Hota. Yes, Ario Hota looks great. Yeah, but there's a whole, there's a, there was something notable on the, on the beginning of the show where when the credits rolled, we didn't see Doran on the map. Yeah, WTF, HBO, what's going on? Like, that was really bizarre. <laughs> you know what? They put all their map budget into Drogon. No, they put it into putting the uh, the flayed man on on Winterfell. Ugh, Ugh. gross. God. I know, I yelled. <laughs> I was like, ah! That just makes me sad. It makes everyone sad. So, um, I... <laughs> So there's a note here, which I think is Jenny's note, where she mentions Dorn only exists on Loris's leg. <laughs> <laughs> is that who that was? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so they should just show the birthmark on the map was her comment. <laughs> we said goodbye to someone who we didn't really get to attach to in the first place. <laughs> and now he's no longer attached to himself. So, yeah. uh so goodbye to Mossador. Who um, he was not an unsullied. He was just he no, was a slave. But, but yeah, the wiki the wiki had put him as an unsullied, and I don't know why, because obviously he was a slave. Yeah. This just goes oh. to show you can never trust the wiki. There you go. <laughs> See, and me as a librarian should know it's a jumping off point, not a place you should put your faith into. Bad librarian. So 
let's go into our Rhaegar a la mode yes. uh, moments. Because uh, I and I know that Megan has been itching to talk about this since yesterday. <laughs> Let go it ahead. fly, Megan. Go. Run with it, Megan. Run with it. <laughs> First, I just have to channel Katie for a moment and say that it's so great to be back at the wall. <laughs> <laughs> It's been years since we've been there. It's been years, seasons, really. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you knew that was coming, Katie. Um, I know Katie agrees with me on this, but I just have to say the stuff at Castle Black was all really great. And I know I'm a broken record because I think I say this every week, but I thought it was really great. I love that they included the Liana Mormont letter, as we said, and that they had John smile slash laugh the most we can see John laugh really um, <laughs> while reading it <laughs> I thought that was very good and as we mentioned earlier he did use the term free folk when talking with Stannis and so I think there are moments when he has used wildling in the show but I think it's I think they are actually being very deliberate when they do have him use free folk and when they have him use wildling like when he's talking to certain people he uses wildling but when he's talking not with those people so people who I think could be more receptive to hearing the phrase free folk he says free folk so I think that's actually really interesting and I'm glad they do that because you know of course the wildlings go by free folk so it's like it, the terms mean something so I really liked that they had him use free folk and I just thought everything was really well done. I liked that they had him telling Sam that he was going to turn down the offer before, you know, the whole election happened for him. Because I, a part of me was concerned that they would make it more ambiguous, like the choice was kind of going to be made for him rather than him making the choice. Whereas they made it pretty clear that he was going to turn it down anyway. And then he ended up getting elected. So it still worked out for him. Yeah, the pacing was really good. I, You know, looking at it, I would think that it would feel too fast. It was like offer. Yeah. De- declination of offer, like election. And it really didn't feel rushed. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed those whole scenes. Yeah. And I think it's, I think th- for this year, it seems like the show has been spending more time, like doing like chunks in certain spaces instead of cutting between the geographic locations more. And I feel I've gotten better about this as the seasons have gone on, but I feel like I've noticed it more this season where they are spending like a good chunk of the episode all at once in one location and then they'll go to another location and spend a good chunk there because the castle black stuff was almost seamless like basically. right it doesn't seem as jarring you're right yeah and i think well, that uh, helps with pacing i wonder i mean just thinking about it they did that more in the first season too you know as they expanded they kind of got a little crazy and were going back and forth between everybody but now i think they're kind of starting to bring the, the show in tighter yeah and they're going back to that format. And it's what I really loved about the first season is that you got to delve into these characters. Yeah. And I think it worked really well for the Castle Black scenes this time. Even mm-hmm. I think some people might have thought it might have been rushed, but I agree with you, Katie. I thought it flowed pretty well. I don't think it felt rushed at all. I mean, the only the only thing I felt was I was sad that it wasn't, uh, it you know, it was without Gren and Pip. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. There but, were people uh, missing. There were definitely people missing, but... I, I did like um, I did like the way it ran and I, I, I thought it was I thought it was well done and I'm not you know I'm not usually the one like yay wall scenes but I thought this was uh... <laughs> but, but you know I, who I... was missing was Ed there no. or is he just like no. hanging out in the back like where was Ed Ed is not dead he's not dead <laughs> no no Ed is Ed is alive but maybe he was he was maybe in the privy so yeah <laughs> Um, Did I miss the election again? I know, maybe. Yeah. 
<laughs> and one thing that I know Jess wanted me to talk about, there were a couple things Jess wanted me to talk about, like on her behalf, since she couldn't be here. The first hi, was Jess. that, yeah, hi Jess, that once she wanted it to be stated that as far as we know, the Night's Watch is the only democracy in Westeros. So she it's wanted very to true. make it very clear. They're picking their own leader and they chose John. So, hey, haters can suck it. Um, also... <laughs> I'm going to edit Taylor Swift into this right now. Sure. Don't that's totally you dare. fine. <laughs> so as I said, we were watching it with a group and the crowd, like, I think a lot of people assume that the audience, like, like the Unsullied don't like John because people think the show hasn't done a good job with him. So people find him boring, but we just have to say the crowd we were with, they were like totally into it and really into the John stuff and when Stannis made him the offer they got so happy <laughs> like people Aww. were yelling out John do it take it <laughs> and like it got me all excited where I was like oh my god John totally take it and I was like wait a second Megan what do you think you know he's not going to take it and you don't really want him to take it anyway <laughs> so it was just like watching with them and how excited they were getting was great and then when he got elected they were like really happy so it was just really nice to know unsullied people do love john which and... i don't understand because he's barely a part of the show until like last season <laughs> well that's because they never actually put the you never get to watch episodes at the wall it's been <laughs> years since we saw one <laughs> years katie we haven't been at the wall in years it's like, i'm never gonna live that down <laughs> no <laughs> okay no you're that's not that's fair yeah so let's let's move away from the wall Do we just one more go... thing one more thing Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, so I just, we think, I like, and Jess and I talked about this too, we think that the show is doing a great job of setting up what's going to become the conflict for John later on. I mean, we know from the Dance of Dragons that it's really his, people disagree with how he handles the free folk, and if you've noticed, the show keeps harping on, you know, oh, John, do you want to lead the Wildlings, or do you want to lead the Night's Watch? Oh, John, we hear you like the free folk, do you want to lead them? So it's like, I feel like they really are setting this up so that it doesn't, blindside people like they're setting the groundwork for everything to happen later for when he'll get stabbed <laughs> how cheerful that is yeah and not die <laughs> he does not die That's he is a not very dead clear, delineated point okay he's not, not dead. dead okay so we're moving on to not dead john from not dead john <laughs> to danny who's finally getting a history lesson of what her father really was like and there's Yay! a reason he's Christ, called the yes. mad king and it's not because people think he's just a cranky old dude so um, that 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 was that was a really great scene. It was good to see that she actually took it seriously and not and wasn't still defending him when Barristan basically said straight out, "Hey, no." Which it was interesting because in the book she doesn't listen to that advice and it screws her over because she just does what she wants to do. <laughs> she got Here, screwed over anyway. She got, exactly. <laughs> she she does take the advice, but it's the same kind of um, blindness to the culture of where she is, where this the, the Westerosi aspect, like justice for them, the way that the Westerosi would do it is not the way the people in Marine would do it. And she's just willfully blind to that. And honestly, so is Barristan in that moment. And it just kind of backfires horribly. Yeah, what was I, t- I was tweeting something about how to win friends and influence people by Daenerys Targaryen. Because <laughs> <laughs> she apparently has no clue how to uh, keep the people happy at the moment. Yeah. Which, I, I'd, I, I mean, I'm not going to take credit for this because Jess is the one that pointed it out to me, but she thought it was interesting that they had that scene where Danny is getting basically a rude awakening from Barristan about, you know, Mercy and the Mad King, where you had Stannis and John also talking about Mercy and how you lead. And so it's just interesting that both Danny and John are getting a talk about 
you know, mercy and how far you should go with that. Of course, Stannis doesn't think you should go very far with it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that kind of shows the fatal flaw with Stannis, where he's like, everybody has to fear you full stop. Yeah. Well, Though not, he might be all really. talk because he was like telling John, he's like, I don't abide rule breakers. But then like he seemed to be fine with John, even though John shot man. So yeah, it's like leading up to a punishment. <laughs> then he's like, I'm going to make you the Lord of Winterfell. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> I reward bravery. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, uh, I like that she's that we're finally seeing that every decision she makes isn't always the perfect ending that she expects it to be. And now she's finally realizing that not everyone's gonna love her all the time and that she can make mistakes that that can be pretty pretty fatal for her and uh yeah this is not this is not gonna end well for her no she's learning the difference between conquering and ruling and i think that's why her storyline this season should get really interesting um i but barristan did make a mistake in the story he told her and which was he said there were only two targaryens living after the rebellion we know there's (laughs) there's three however (laughs) I mean, that scene at the end where Drogon oh. comes and kind of visits her, like, hey, mom, you how you doing? Smaug? He looks really <laughs> Smaug, good. When Smaug comes and visits her. And then he flies off. I could almost hear her in, like, the book Danny going, like, wait, take me with you. <laughs> you know, and it's just a great transition of, like, she's so over her head. She just wants to run away. I just kept looking at that scene, like, he was like, I'm done with you, and I'm going to torment some dwarves in Middle Earth now. Bye-bye. <laughs> oh. Well, it's also, like... <laughs> It kind of made me think, like, Drogon is obviously her dragon. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and even the show is saying, this one is hers, you know? And it kind of makes sense, really, when you look at it that way, why, you know, uh, Viserion and Rhaegal, like, they don't really bond with her because, yes, she was their mother, and they did bond with her when she was around, but she's not meant for them. So yeah, as they got older, she can only ride one dragon. She can't ride three. At the same right. Time. Like as they got older, that was going to happen anyway. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I really liked how in the execution scene that they couldn't even have her look at him. Right. And I we kept in the bar. We were like, Ned would not approve, Danny. Right. <laughs> it's so true. He passes the sentence, and he pass, and he 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 wields the sword. And yeah, it's like not like only gave would a she slight nod. Yeah, like she wouldn't even look at him. Not even like it's not that she wasn't even just killing him. She just wouldn't even look at him. And it was like you can't even look at this guy die, even though you just sentenced him. I mean, that yeah. was just Jeez. a bad call, though, and she knew yeah. it was a bad call. I don't know. She didn't know it was a bad call. She really thought that people would appreciate that she was giving justice. Oh, God. Like, she looked totally dumbfounded when they started hissing at her. Uh, that was so scary. Yeah. It would have been interesting if they kept that scene in next week with um, when John's going to behead Slint, or we assume he is, at least, and just kind of seeing the difference. Because, of course, if they follow what they do in the book, John's, of course, going to do it himself. And, right. Like, I mean, the symbolism of it, though, is kind of done. I feel bad because in the book, you have the symbolism of like Rob not doing it that great Theon doing it absolutely horribly and then John just like bam one stroke finished done and it kind of shows who's really evolving into the better ruler there mm-hmm. oh I agree I, I did a rant about it when we did our uh, episode recaps for the blog right I mean like you're right I, I wish that they had had this in the same episode because it's a it kind of mirrors each other and now you're comparing Danny and John who you really should be comparing yeah. but you know like, too. I wonder if they were ever considered to be part of the same episode, and maybe just for time reasons or just flow, they just switched it. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to Middle Earth. I mean, Bravos. <laughs> Yay, Bravos. Um, I love everything about Bravos. 
the, the door looks great. CGI, <laughs> which she was climbing the, into the building. Well, Maybe like Sam was... Hewen ruined it for me. Sam Hewen is an Outlander, and someone asked him a question in one of these like dumb interviews, where it's like, "Would you rather be in ga- your characters in Game of Thrones or Game of Thrones characters in the Scotland of Outlander?" And he goes, "Well, Game of Thrones is really CGI." So, and I'm like, "Wait, is that?" Oh shit, it's true. And now every time I watch an episode, I'm like, oh no, there's all the CGI. Yeah, that that would it was like to me you could see like the the Arya walking on the stairs just looked a little off, but whatever. I mean, when she's actually on stairs and it looks much nicer. It's just that the, the far away scenes looked a little off to me. But what else did what else did you guys like about the scene? I don't I mean, I thought it was all great. I don't really know what to say about it though. I thought they did a great job with her walking up to the door. Even when she was saying goodbye to the captain that took her to the door. Like I just liked how they added, you know, the little saying like her saying Falardo highs. I just fucked up saying it. But whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've noticed her her accent got really good. Like yeah. she's been practicing that shit on the she's boat. She's been on a boat, man. <laughs> She's on a boat. <laughs> well, I mean, later on, someone asked me at work today. They're like, so how long was Arya in front of the door? Yeah, okay. that's a little misleading. A day and a night. <laughs> it certainly seemed like it was days. Yeah. No, no, I thought it was a day and one night. That was it. I didn't think it was anything. I think, like, she stayed overnight, and the next morning she was like, fuck this shit, I'm out of here. <laughs> and then I'll say, I love the little callback to episode nine of the first season where she's... Aww. It's the same kind of coloring in the streets. Mm-hmm. She's walking and she's wearing kind of the same outfit she was wearing in episode nine. And she just kind of kills that pigeon really quick with needle. And it's yes. very elegant. And then the way she carries herself now is is very much somebody who is a fighter and who someone who can kill you. And has grown because yeah. she's, she's like, that person was very scared, the one in episode nine. This one was like, don't fuck with me. I will take you all out. And she's not advertising it either. She's just walking. And you can tell just by her walk. Yeah. Um, So we talked about Alexander as Doran. Um, Do you want to talk a little more about that? Are you guys good on that? I mean, I just think he... I mean, we'll get to the nerd rage part of that. But I thought (laughs) he was great as Doran. And I thought they did a great introduction to Doran. So... To to Doran, yeah. To Doran itself. I wasn't thrilled. But we're going to get to that later. We're going to get to that later. But Doran, Alexander Siddig is a freaking treasure. And I'm just happy to have him. I think we need to, you know, focus on the characters before we can focus around, you know, the scenery. So I think it's, so once we get a feel for who they are, then we can, then we can go into it. You know, my quibbles aside with what they're doing to Ilaria, which is character assassination, but we'll get to that later. Um, Just the the, the quibble. I thought it was a good scene. Like if you had never read the books. That was still a good scene. I mean, and it makes sense for her to be angry because she saw, you know, Oberyn die. And Indira is an amazing actress, and I love oh, her. Yeah. And so she definitely did a great job with it. We will nerd rage about what they're doing to her character later. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Lord Kevin. Oh, yeah. Rachel's, Rachel's not here. So uh, let's let's talk. Let's give some Kevin love. I mean, we all love him anyway, but mm-hmm. let's let's give some Kevin love for Rachel. Also, um, go to Casterly Rock, basically saying, and I'm taking over that bitch. Yeah. <laughs> That's how was, I took it, too. He was just not having any of her shit. She was dishing it out, and he was like, nope, 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 goodbye. Well, a part of me was like, ew, stop being really sexist, Uncle Ke- Uncle Kevin. But then I'm like, no, Cersei's crazy, so I'm going to yeah. go with him on this one. 
I well, mean, she had spent the entire yeah. time insulting every single person at that table. So by the time she got to him, he was done. And she's not exactly making the best choices. And I actually no. find her storyline in A Feast for Crows interesting because of that, because it's basically her downfall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like her descent into just, oh my God, she just keeps well, making so many mistakes. And even well, in watching this scene, I was like, oh my God, Cersei, stop. <laughs> I know. Well, she thinks that she's her father. She yeah. thinks that out of all of her kids, it's her who's most like her father. And she is just sadly mistaken on that. <laughs> yeah, because okay. the one who is like her father is the one she's hunting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I actually thought I, you know, we're we're talking about Kevin, but I'm just going to say I actually liked that they kept in the part that she's having, that she has the reward out for Tyrion and that people are basically just killing every dwarf they see. So, like, and she does sad. not care. Because it's sad, but I feel, like yeah. it's, um, I feel like sometimes the show, like, takes away her bad elements to try to make her more sympathetic, even though there's nothing wrong with having a woman just be a horrible person. I mean, you know, that's fine. And and you'll find sympathy for her later on anyway. I mean, so it's not like you have to be sympathetic to her all the time. You can be pissed off at her. Yeah. Like when they had her not be the one that ordered the death of Robert's bastards. And like, they just do some things to try to get her more sympathy. So in this part, it's like, no, she doesn't care that this innocent person was just murdered and she's not going to like lift the reward. And I think that I think it's good that the show is finally having her be Cersei. Right. Yeah. She shouldn't be an angel. She shouldn't be like she just because she is one of the female characters and she's strong and Lena does a great performance of her, like like you say, she should be three dimensional. She's kinda horrible. Yeah. <laughs> that is one of her dimensions. That's it. Yes. Yeah. I mean she's not Definitely. like the worst person in the series. I mean, come on. When you have like no, Ramsey The bar around. is fairly low. Yeah. I was like <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's a tough choice there. Um but yeah. <laughs> She's uh, not making very good choices, and Kevin Kevin was pretty awesome in that scene, and Kevin's that, that like, I really enjoyed. <laughs> Kevin goes, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, none of you are cool, fuck you, I'm out, drops the mic. Yeah. yeah I wonder if he'll was... come back when she gets arrested. Well, at some point he has to be shot in the gut by some yeah. little bird. Shut up, no! <laughs> <laughs> so, we'll move on to my girl, Brienne, who, it was awesome to see her get back to who Brienne really is instead of being that very sad and feeling sorry for herself person last week and watching her take out all those guys. I was like, yes, there's my girl. There's <laughs> well, my girl. Did you read? Um, she gave an interview, uh, Gwendolyn Christie. Oh, the Kenny, the one she gave to Kenny. I, I, is it to Kenny where she was yeah. saying that um, you're supposed to see a beat with Sansa where she's like, get out of Dodge. Oh, I thought that was Entertainment Weekly. No, that oh, is Entertainment Weekly. I didn't oh think no, because I just I just read I just read Kenny's. Oh, um, oh, he did Kenny's... an interview with her. Yes, he did. I just read Kenny's interview with her. Hell yeah, Kenny. Okay, so I have to read that. But no, <laughs> I was talking about Entertainment Weekly thing, um, where there's supposed to be a beat where Sansa's like, "Get out of here," and I honestly didn't see it on first viewing. I have to look back at it. Did I, you guys see it on second viewing? I can get. I can understand how you would get that. I also understand if someone doesn't get that beat either. I don't think you need to get that beat to really accept that scene though as it is because right it makes sense for Sansa to refuse her yeah but it also makes sense for Sansa to also try to refuse her to save her at the same time (laughs) so either either she's refusing her because she thinks that she's a Lannister ally or she's refusing her because she wants to save Brienne it I mean it works either way I can see let's be clear she doesn't even have to use the Lannister ally thing the woman said she watched somebody get killed by a shadow well yeah (laughs) that too (laughs) But even phase her. about that um, scene, but... I just wanted to say that I loved that they kept her 
I mean, that they had her give the same oath that she gave to Kat. Like, I just liked yes. the parallels with that. Yes, It definitely. made me sad for her and also happy. Yeah, like, it was sad and happy because, I mean, I think we could all guess that Sansa would say, no, go away. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's like, stop, you're not going to, this is not a good look. This is Westeros, no one gives a shit about honor. Well, some of them do. Well, yeah. um, and the art, and and in case anybody's wondering, the article uh, by Kenny, who's Axe Chucker on uh, Watchers on the Wall, he did an interview. It was posted on the twentieth of April. So it's check it out. It's a good interview, and Gwendolyn sounds like an absolutely awesome person. So check it out when you get a chance. Watchers on the Wall. Yeah, Watchers on the Wall. Yay. We're we're fans. We love them. Okay, now we're moving into our favorite section, the nerd <laughs> rage moment. Ta -da -ta -ta. So, how do we feel about Jamie and Dorn? I'm okay with it. Yeah, I actually liked how they are getting him to Dorn. I thought that scene with him and Cersei was actually really good. And it was in character for him to make the decision to save a daughter that he never really got to be a father to. So, or, I. Or. <laughs> He didn't really have a choice in that. Yeah, he didn't really have a choice, nor do I think he really wanted to. I mean, <laughs> nah. I don't think it was ever really his thing. But He loves Cersei. Yeah. Everything else is not a factor for him. Yeah, but I think he's becoming disillusioned with Cersei at this point. Well, yeah, and this is true so. in the books, too, Christ because he alive. becomes yes. much more protective of Tommen in the books. So it kind of makes sense that show Jamie might be like, oh, yeah, I should save my daughter. Um, so I kind of liked that scene. No, I, I, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good, too. Um. I find it, um, I find it a little weird he's going to Dorne, but I kind of look forward to the Jamie Braun buddy. <laughs> yeah, the buddy comedy. The show. buddy comedy. I mean, I, I love this. We have we have one Lannister brother with running off with Braun, one Lannister brother running off with Varys. I don't know which comedy show I love more, to tell you the truth. So, <laughs> well, the thing is, Jamie would never have done well with Varys. No. No. And and if if we followed somewhat the books, uh, he would have been with uh, Ilan Payne, and that wouldn't have been much conversation. So, <laughs> so just as well, we have someone who's humorous and fun. And this is getting into like parts that I have no idea what's going to happen, and I'm yes. just overjoyed. Yeah, because yeah. I don't know. I mean, a part of me is like, is Bron going to die or is Bron going to live? I don't know. Bron I don't want Bron to die. I don't want Bron to die. Because <laughs> they're not going to kill Jamie. I don't want Jamie anyone yet. to die, but George keeps killing everyone anyway. So now D&D &D have followed that fabulous habit of killing people. So, um, so Megan, you've <sighs> been wanting to talk about this for a while. So why don't you talk about Ilaria? Okay. So we knew this was coming. I think a sigh that came out of that. I just, oh my God. Okay, so we knew it was coming. So I was preparing myself for it. I think ever since when they started doing the auditions, I think for the Sand Snakes, it was basically being theorized that Ilaria was going to become this vengeful person that wanted to get revenge on the Lannisters. And, you know, I, I got really mad about it because the thing that I think that's really great about Ilaria in the books is that she's a pacifist. And if there's anyone that has the right to be angry, or to try to be vengeful. It's probably her because, yes. you know, she was Oberyn's lover. She saw him die. She's the mother to his children. And yet she's the one who's pleading with the Sand Snakes and Arian and everyone just saying, just end this madness because it's just a never-ending cycle that never stops. And so right. I think it's really powerful that she is a pacifist in the books. And I think the books in general are actually anti-war and they, I think George is trying to say that you shouldn't pursue vengeance and revenge. And yet I think the show 
has turned characters who are pacifists into vengeful people. And so the, she's not the first. I think Kat's another example. I talked about this with Jess a bit, where it's a little disturbing that they take these characters who are more pacifists in the book and just change them. And it's like, why? Because this viewpoint should be presented in the show. Well, I have, but with Kat, though, like she does in the book turn into Lady Stoneheart. Well, no, and that's what makes the transformation so powerful. It's like, that is so anti-Kat. She would hate what she's become. I agree completely with that. And even if they were to do Stoneheart now, it's not all that different from the cat that was before. So it wouldn't be as powerful. You're right. You're right. You're very right. So it annoys me that they made Ilaria now become this vengeful person. And I get that they're trying to compress characters, all that. I get it. I get it. But it's like, (laughs) but you should still have this pacifist viewpoint because even Doran, he's not a pacifist because he's also, well, assuming the show Doran is also scheming behind closed doors yeah, to take the down. He's long con. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, he he plays that he's not doing anything, but he behind closed doors. And finally, he, he like, you know, lets Ariane know that he's doing shit. He's doing a lot of stuff. I mean, I think maybe that's what I had a problem with when they had the door, like not Doran, but Dorn. Um, where they show them and it just, it's Ilaria being rightfully angry about this, but it's just kind of a short scene and it's this interplay and it just, for me, kind of clunked because you're introducing a world and you don't see much of it. You just see a small, nothing surprising happened in that scene. I think what bothered me was I was hoping that she was going to be more like Ariane and that she was going to try to do what Ariane had done which was try to make Beersil a, a, a queen as opposed to trying to kill the child um, yeah. and so like you know I, I feel like D&D tend to not like women in charge because they've already like destroyed Asha who I can't stand calling Yara's character because what she, I, she doesn't exist I'm, I'm blocking that out <laughs> so the whole so the whole queen's moot thing is out um, and then like you know they don't they don't want this whole Myrcella is queen which i think which i think is very powerful because here you have all these kings and then you have someone trying to raise a woman to be one of these one of the 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 rulers instead and and they've already taken the dorn sto- uh, storyline where women can be next the the heir by getting rid of Ariane. so i'm 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 kind of like upset that they they've taken every little aspect that they can of of having having some woman in charge somewhere. Well, it's also weird because you have Alaria is the one saying mutilate this little girl. And it was the two men of Dorne that were like, we don't hurt little girls. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, so wait, this woman is trying to get revenge. So she's going to shit on this other woman. And it's the guys who are saying, no, you can't do that. And she's just a teen. She's just, she's still a little girl in a way. And it's like, you know, yeah. It's a weird dynamic. I mean, I like that they're showing that Dorn is just not the kind of culture that um, abuses women or and, and more raises them up. But it's just a weird dynamic to show it. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of weird because even in the books, you know, the only person that wants to hurt Marcella is Darkstar. Darkstar! None of the other ones want to hurt her. And I think it's weird that all of a sudden they're now like, oh, in Dorn we are going to hurt little girls. Like, he is but... at the night. He is the night. Oh my god, he is ridiculous. So we'll see where this goes. I'm not very happy with what they did to her character either. Um, no, it really but... it still makes me really mad. Like I think the show can still be good as a show, but as an adaptation, I'm disappointed because 
it seems that they're not going to present this pacifist viewpoint, which I feel is really important to George. I think George is basically trying to say, guys, you need to stop this fucking war. <laughs> well, I mean, wasn't he a, what do they call it, conscientious? Oh, shit. I just completely didn't know. Yes, conscientious objector to the Vietnam War. I mean, I this is very so. much yeah. who George is. Yeah. yeah. So it's oh, just George. Yeah. So we're sorry, George, too, that they also took out your pacifist <laughs> character. <laughs> well, I mean, that's why I'm kind of enjoying the show more because now it's not. It's becoming less of an adaptation, mm-hmm. and the less it's an adaptation, the more I enjoy it. Yeah. Speaking of adaptation, right, Lauren? Thank you. That's exactly <laughs> what I wanted. You took the words right out of my mouth, Megan. What Megan said. Okay. Um, things that got left out. What? What? What are? What are we mourning the loss of? Well, we mentioned it earlier, but the whole behind-the-scenes stuff that Sam was doing to manipulate the Lord Commander election. And I don't know how much of it is just that they just didn't want to spend so much time on it and they just wanted to move forward with the wall storyline, which that's probably it. Or how much could have been that the actor playing Dennis Malister died during filming. Who knows? Oh, poor guy. Yeah. That... <laughs> oh, so sad. <laughs> so, but, I mean, it's kind of sad that that's gone, though I don't mind how it ended up being. And, I, like I said, I like that. Sam does it more overtly, actually, in the show instead of doing it kind of behind the scenes. Yeah, because um, it makes him a bolder character yeah, on top of... Yeah, it does. Of... Well, I mean, I like the political aspect of what he does in the book, but I don't miss it just because we got to keep it moving. We yeah. can't waste too much time on stuff now. Yeah. And you killed off half the people that helped. Right, exactly. There's And that whole idea of John alienating people, I, I'm pretty sure it, it should still be in there just to kind of show John's flaw as a leader. But it's not as essential, I don't think, to, because his big alienation of everybody is the way he treats the free folk. Yeah. And I think I think there'll still be some elements of alienation. This might jump ahead to like, what does this mean for the future? But yeah. um, but that's okay. We can I'm do that. pretty sure Kit said in an interview where he was like, "Leaders don't have friends," or he said some comment. Oh, well, uh, which is so stupid. That's, that's like a Ned Stark true. level. No, but he bullshit. meant like from John's perspective, not from. Like... <laughs> no, no, I know, I know, but it just like bothers me. Whenever I saw like Ned say that, I'm like, I get it on one level because it is kind of true, yeah. but on the other level, like, no, that doesn't mean you have to cut everybody off. <laughs> I know. But, I'm like, you know, you I love it... you, Ned. I really love Ned, but I that was not the best advice. <laughs> but no, think, think about it. Even like from, you know, a contemporary perspective, you can't be friends with your managers. So no, you can't. Same, so this is the same thinking. Well, I mean, you I can't think you and can. you shouldn't. Yeah, I mean, like, there's there's a level of it. Like, you but can't. But the, yeah, but there's still that line, and that's the thing. There's yeah. a line, and as long as you know where to... The thing is, you can be friends with somebody who becomes your boss, and you still understand that within the workforce, there's a line you don't cross. Right. And that's something that comes with maturity, but it's also, you can't, as a manager, then decide that your word is the only word worth listening to, and you don't allow other people to know what you're doing, because then you're going to fuck up eventually. You're human, and you need somebody there to know what the plan was so they can pick up the slack. Yeah. Or you get a Ned Stock award. Well, right. And I wonder how much of this is just John taking what Ned said to the extreme because we know Ned was friendly with his bannerman like he would have different people sit with him at the high table and he would talk to people so I mean yeah Ned might not have like you know confided in them but he was still friendly and we see with John when he's Lord Commander he doesn't even do that he basically eats alone 
I mean, he—it's like he, his father died, so he took something that was said to him when he was a kid, and yeah. he didn't really have time to learn the rest of it. No, but I think he—he t- he took it to the extreme, and I'm oh, like, yeah. I don't think that's what Ned would have said. That he <laughs> and I was just gonna say, I think we've talked about this a lot, but I think with this episode, it's been really clear now that the whole Brienne storyline in A Feast for Crows is just gone. Yeah, well, she's gone in a whole different she's tangent going at this point. <laughs> And, and and she doesn't have a noose on her neck, so that's yeah. a that's a, that's a that's a good that's a good thing as far as I'm concerned. Santa for Stoneheart. Let's talk about what this means for the future or the book plot lines, because as you've just mentioned, Brienne's story is not going the way it does in Feast. Obviously, um, things changed because Mance died last week, and obviously he wasn't switched out with somebody else. Um, so let's talk about what what you guys think is is coming up. I just want to give Jenny credit if she ends up being right for guessing that Ollie might be one of the people that stabs John. And if she's right. That's too brute. That fucking depresses me. But yeah. I think she's right just because they're making their relationship too important. I'm yeah. not listening. I'm not and listening. So I'm to be to give background for why she thinks this could be the case, it's the look on Ollie's face when Thorne is talking about John's love for the free book. Yep. And I rewatched, and yeah, he does not look particularly happy. But then he's very happy when John's elected. So I'm kind of like, make up your mind, kid. (laughs) Is he is he a baby Bowen Marsh? Is that what's going on? No, shut up. I mean, as far as we know, there's not there's no Bowen Marsh. Though maybe someone will appear in the next couple episodes. So he's not baby Satin. He's baby Bowen Marsh. Maybe he's maybe like a combo. I don't know, but it'll be so sad. Like baby Satin Marsh. (laughs) John will just be so sad if his own little brother figure is like stabbing him. I know. I, I know. just had a thought, and it's horrible. Oh, no. Oh, well, everything ends horribly, so go ahead. <laughs> what if it's not Slint that loses his head? What if it's the other guy? Thorn? Yeah. Nah. But, I, you know, I think that it might be Thorn because, you know, he's he's the one who's more of a sticky wicket. Like, he's the person who's a problem. And Slint is kind of stupid, but he's not an issue. And he would be a better Bowen Marsh because he's just cowardly. No, and I think Thorne's a better Bowen Marsh because Bowen Marsh, I mean, Thorne has more legitimacy with the audience. And so I think what makes the, I mean, if I think what makes, you know, John getting stabbed, what can make it so emotional is that he, the person who's doing it isn't 100% wrong. I mean, they're wrong in doing it, but their viewpoints might have some validity to them but also if it's a character that you don't hate so i don't think generally people hate thorn people hate slint so (laughs) it's different when it's someone you don't hate stabbing the hero (laughs) yeah exactly exactly um i'm gonna move it along to a note that jenny left about uh if she's wondering if the inclusion of the conversation about grayscale that was me means that oh that was you (laughs) yeah why are you pink? I'm pink. Oh. She's always pink. Oh, I got confused with colors. Okay, so Megan, you talk about it. <laughs> I was, so they spent a pretty good amount of time talking about grayscale. So I was just wondering if this means that the show is going to do like a grayscale outbreak, which a lot of people think is going to happen in the books because George has said like illness and disease is coming to Westeros. And so I thought that was interesting that they did have a fairly long conversation about it. Um, Jenny was the one that wondered if it could be that... Jora could end up getting it instead of John Connington since we're not doing John Con. Right. Uh, I don't think it really matters because it's already in Westeros. I mean, this scene basically sets up that Shireen, you know, has was, it was was healed in a way too. But or, I also wonder if it's because it was never really healed, clear why dormant. she had it. Yeah. Or what I mean, she had. if Val was there, she would have been like, "The child is unclean." <laughs> yeah. The child <laughs> is unclean. 
No, but we ha- but they've never really delved into it at all before. So you know that she has this thing on her face, but you it's not. I mean, the Unsullied really weren't getting what it was, yeah. and where it came from, or if it came from anywhere at all. So I don't. I- I'm also wondering if this conversation was just to make it clear to the to the watchers what it actually is. Maybe oh. though they didn't really clear up anything. So <laughs> no, they didn't. They didn't. <laughs> Because it doesn't have a name north of the wall. That yeah. that much we know. And people died screaming. So that's I mean, really... I'm really worried for Shireen, though. Yeah. I know. I love that child. She's so good. I'm, I'm worried for her. I wish her mother would... I wish somebody would, like, you know, set fire to her mother. Throw her out of a window? Ugh. God, I hate that woman. How do you hate your own child that much? Ugh. Anywho. So we have some some upcoming events that we're looking forward to. Or hopefully sobbing through. Well, one that should make us all very happy is if Slint ends up losing his head. Fetch me the block. Fetch me a block. Fetch me a block. I'm so. I can't wait. I think it happens (laughs) next episode. The preview made it seem like it. Yeah. Well, there it is. And then there's the sobbing. Oh my god. I won't be able to handle when Arya has to give up Needle. Yeah, that's going to be heartbreaking. I'm going to hug my Needle. (laughs) Tom was. How do you say his last name? Wasilla? Yeah, he plays I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. Was saying that he was going to be kind of hard on Arya, and I'm excited. It's like, good, make her have more of a training montage. I need a little like step running. I need some like boxing. It's going to be fun. Are we going to listen to Survivor? Yes. <laughs> I have a tiger. All right. So I'm looking forward to the Braun and Jamie Roadshow. <laughs> yeah. Because that's just going to be really fun. I mean, I'm sure they're going to have be, some great lines. <laughs> I think there's going to be some great lines, and I think there's going to be some interesting fighting scenes because I'm assuming he's taking over for Ill and Payne and, and going to be training him on his way up because he's already started the training with him. Yeah, true. So I think that's going to be interesting. Yay. So, so that's that. So we've made it to the end of another episode. Woo-hoo! And this week we're changing up the toast just a little bit because this week we are toasting to the Lord Commander, Jon Snow. To Lord Commander Jon Snow. To Lord Commander Jon Snow. You totally deserve it. Or I don't know that you... Okay, maybe you don't want it. You should have been a Stark, I'm just saying. Katie. Uh, You know, come on. That just gives me the sads. (laughs) He needs to save the realm. Yeah. Did I just lose my day pass? No. Yeah, I knew it wasn't going to take. It, it, I knew you couldn't make it through the whole episode. Oh, wait. You know what I forgot that was really exciting? What? There were no boobs the entire episode. There were yeah, there no weren't. boobs. No sex. We went, we went boobless the entire episode, and yet it was still an interesting watch. I know. Can you we were imagine so... HBO. Holy shit. It was, we didn't even notice. It was such a great episode. I did. Notice. As soon as it was over, I was like, I'm like, did we just go a whole episode without boobs? To no boobs. All right, so let's toast to a boobless episode. No boobs. No No boobs. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so this is it. Good Good night, everyone. (laughs) Bye. Bye. And so he broke that sacred oath, that Lord of the Crossing. And now the pie crusts cover his kin, and they're so good to eat. Yes, now the pie crusts cover his kin, revenge it tastes so sweet.
How's that? Are you okay, going to do the recommended by Laura right. Davos? So, you know oh, what? shit, I'll, that's I'll, part I'll, of it? You know what? I'll do the, and then I'll go, recommended by Lord Davos Seaworth, four out of four finger bones. Oh, shit, I didn't even realize that was part of it. Hold on. Recommended by Lord Davos Seaworth, four out of four finger bones. I could do that. Okay. I think I just did that. I mean, yeah, if you can just you Yeah, but, but, but we were like talking over it, so maybe not. Oh, okay, I'll do it again. Okay. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Grayscale Grammar School. The child may be unclean, but she's great at... Oh, balls and fucking hell. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, my God. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs>